What is going on, party people? It's Motorcycle Dad with Tito. Long time no speak, long time no hear. Uh, took a little hiatus because we've been working on some home projects, working on some business projects, working on myself. And uh, I always told you guys, if I didn't feel the mental energy being there to do the podcast and feel that pump motivation, I wasn't going to do it. I did set a goal for myself for my schedule, and I am falling short on that. And I think like part of me was like a little bit like kind of bummed out because I like didn't keep to my schedule. And there it is. You're putting that overwhelming pressure on yourself. And then I had to put myself in check. You're like, wait a minute. Just fucking do your thing. Do what you normally do. So that's what I'm doing. Okay. Uh, on this episode, this episode, I'm going to talk current events, COVID, my B-Day, uh, update on uh, I Am Power Sports. Um, and also on this one, got to uh, hold your horses, sit in your seats. I got to interview my buddy, Justin. Me and him and Marine Corps together. I'll get to that right before the interview. So, start it off, party people. First of all, please make sure to go support these local businesses, small businesses, veteran-owned businesses, any business that is open. Please, if they've given you good service, you really you don't feel like they're there for you. Try if you're in a financial position to do so. Please support them. Spend your money there. Okay. I like to give a shout out personally to the Leatherneck Club of Las Vegas. Okay. Uh, Ghost, Tony, the bar manager, uh, Ghost, the owner, Tony, the bar manager, Alan, the kitchen manager, uh, Steph, Kim. There's a couple other ones I know I'm forgetting. I apologize. It's been a while. There's a couple new faces in there because they are growing. Prior to this, things were growing and picking up. So I know that they're going to come back strong because people have been supporting them, continue to support them. Uh, Any of my listeners, if you please get an opportunity, I would ask you, go. They do have a GoFundMe. Please go and support their GoFundMe. Uh, it's going to be the Leatherneck Club of Las Vegas. You go to GoFundMe, look it up. You'll be able to find it. Also, you can go on the Facebook page and find the link for that as well on the Facebook page for the podcast. So thank you guys for always being there for me. These guys have great food. Let me tell you what. Okay, you think, oh, you know, Leatherneck Club, bar, no, 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 no. Look, there's a lot of shit talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are some bad motherfuckers in there. But there's some great salt of the earth. Give you the shirt off the back. If you're a Marine, you get your first drink for free when you get in there. So that's always nice. They got ice cold beer there that is brewed here in Las Vegas. And let me tell you what, guys, you guys think bar food, okay? The quality of the food there is off the chain to where I don't even, I don't really even like calling it bar food because to me, it's like, it's a step above bar food. Burgers, bomb, roll tacos bomb gringos making tacos crazy but they're bomb they're fire you know uh, that chicken cordon blue sandwich fire and not only that it's just a special touch that they always take like i was having a, uh, a kind of bad day and they put a smile on my face keeping a g because i was promised to keep it on the deal but like it's your local place where people give a shit about you <laughs> that's all that's the best player i can uh, it's institution here in vegas it's one of the best kept secrets so when things do open back up and they are going to open back up with caution and all sorts of stuff please make it a point if you're thinking about leaving the country you're going out of the country for vacation this year consider coming to vegas instead it'll yeah they're going to put measures in place to make sure you're safe trust me the gaming board wants the money they'll make sure of that so real quick talk about my b-day all right birthday was pretty great low-key uh i finally after seven years finished uh, an ar build i've been working on so my wife gratefully allowed me to purchase uh my ar kit from psa palmetto state armory first time i did one of their builds pretty cool and i decided i want to go out shoot with my buddy best friend partner in crime tony pizza and uh we're in the el avalancheo we're going out to a spot it's about three miles off road public land a little bit outside of town place was packed usually i go bombing through there in the truck not caring about nothing and but usually that involves dusting people out there's so many people out there didn't want to dust people out it's public land that people just go out there and shoot when shot the ar it was real hot but still went shot the ar had a blast my friend same thing on the way out i was you know driving back to the main roads and i was like ah you know what i usually dust people i'm not gonna dust them i'm gonna be nice this time and I get back on the main road on Las Vegas Boulevard. I get back into the city limits. As soon as I'm back in the city limits, my tire blows out. No big deal. I'm a grown ass man. My father taught me how to change a tire. 
Not a problem. Aha. Aha. I did not check to see if the jack tool, because I had one of those little things, you know, you got to have a special thing to get the spare tire down underneath. Did not have that in my truck. Apparently never came with it because I never looked for it. I looked at the jack and I shit on myself. Well, the jack's in here. The other part should be in here too. Well, had to get towed. Thankfully, my tire guy was open. Called my tire guy, Art JR's Tires. Special shout out to JR's Tires. All right. Always takes care of me. Long story short, and my and Tony was like, oh, bro, like, I'm so sorry. It's your birthday. I'm like, bro, everything is all good. I got to eat a nice breakfast, spend time with my wife, my kid. They say me happy birthday, which is enough for me as it is. And I got to hang out with my friend. And I got to go shoot my new gun. So I wasn't having a bad day. <laughs> like Everything was going good. Well, for one, if I had gotten stuck off-road and been driving like a jackass, I would have blew my tire off-road. The tow truck driver <laughs> liked to notify me that that would have been a $500 fuck up. So see, positivity, not being a fucking dick, saved me $400 plus my tire guy was able to hook it up. So for the cost of it would have been for a mistake plus some, I daggone got brand new front tires. And even then I wasn't mad because when I did the oil change on the truck, getting it ready, you know, when all this stuff started popping off, just getting things lined up and in order. Like I normally do. Uh, I knew looking at them that they were bad. I was like, eh, but I was pressing it because I was like, look, I'm not driving the truck any, so I'll just wait and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, see what happens. So, lesson learned. Still had a great day because then I went home and after that, I was like, no, fuck that. We're ordering some leather neck tonight for my birthday. We got some bomb takeout. Uh, it, everything was good. Like, I can't complain in the grand scheme of things. Hell, everyone's healthy, happy. So, that was my B-Day in a nutshell. And the surprising part was some people would think that you're supposed to take it back because all this stuff. Like, I don't know. I didn't have that expect. The only expectation I had for that day was going to shoot my new rifle. And I did that. So it was all good. So, lesson learned and everything was fun. Now, uh, going on to Iron Power Sports, I've just been working on a couple projects. Been riding a little solo lately. Uh, you know, my friend is taking care of business. We all have business to take care of in these time of needs, uh, you know, and we're just looking at the business model and adapting and changing. It's a learning process. I think I'm very fortunate that we learned as much as we did, or we're very fortunate we learned what we when we did what we did, uh, because with the way things are looking, you're, you're going to look at a market share going for the power sports industry shifting from your brick and mortar to a greater and greater, more digital. Now, I'm not going to sit here and preach about it because I want to get into the interview with Justin, but it's just one of those things that we as when you start a business, you have to think about these things. You got to not get the elephant syndrome, meaning don't walk right up on the elephant. And all you see is what is it Joe Rogan said is like or Dave Chappelle said it's the elephant syndrome only up the penis like skin of the elephant. That's all you see versus, you know, you step back fucking 10 feet and see the whole thing. And that's what we're trying to do. And I know there's tons of owners and power sports, you know, there's dealerships, shops, service managers, everybody's working on that right now. So now I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to harp on that right now, but that's just an update. I am power sports is still rolling. Like the podcast is still rolling. Just trying to think of how to optimize it and make it the best. Okay. Before I get into the lineup for Justin, I want to give a shout out to my homie, Billy Cherry, because Thank you. You don't sometimes people don't realize they're inspiring people when they just ask a simple question. He DM'd me about some podcasts. He asked me a question real quick. And it kind of got me going to want to do the podcast. So thanks a lot, Billy. Special shout out to you, brother. Now, my interview with Justin. All right. Justin's homie. He works uh at Freedom uh Cycles, works for Freedom Cycle Group, and he is at the dealership in Decatur. Texas. Now, from what he tells me, Decatur's a little bit more rural area. You'll hear that in the interview and such. And what I'm trying to do is with the COVID-19 and, you know, I'm trying to get the power sports industry perspective. I'm not here to get into statistics or any of that. I'm looking at this specifically, how it affects our industry. Um, and this interview was great because at first, both of us were kind of self-conscious about it because we felt like we like went overboard, like, you know, like, but we went back and listened to the interview and it actually wasn't that bad. It was actually, we touched on the right spots, which we need, you need to touch on. Like, look guys, 
I'm not sitting here, like I said, to get into any, oh, it's a you know, conspiracy theory or whatever, or we need to take more serious. I'm not here for that. I'm telling you how it affects us with facts, our industry right now. So that being said, we're going to get into the interview with uh, my homeboy, Justin, me and him go back to the Marine Corps a long time. My first duty station in Okinawa, me and him used to go out and raise some hell <laughs> and, and have a lot of fun. And I learned a lot from him. And, you know, one of the things was he was one of the people that helped inspire me about dirt bikes because listen to him talk about when we we're in the shop working about dirt bikes. And a lot of guys were in the dirt bikes in Okinawa that lit the fire. You know, that was one of the things I already had that fire in my belly. I already was already there. But it's like you just get this confirmations along the way. It's like, yeah, that's the path I need to go down. So my brother, Justin, you bet. Here you go. figure this technology shit out huh oh yeah watch out this old folks gonna fucking take over hold on skype is making me aware that i need to legally tell you that we're recording <laughs> i am not the kgb <laughs> noted noted <laughs> appreciate it so what's up bro see do that goat bro you've always had like the sweetest goat Man, I had it a little beard going on for a little bit and then uh, shaved all that shit off for the wedding I was supposed to uh, go to and then all that shit got shut down and uh, yeah, here we are. Yours is uh, looking mighty, mighty thick, man. I actually, I cut this shit down, bro. Like I was, it was like down to here and I was like, ah, nah, it's too much maintenance. Just in case I got to make a good seal for gas mask or some shit, I'll shave it down. But <laughs> I gave myself a barracks cut the other day, bro. Fuck my shit up. But still, I was like, I couldn't stand it. I was like, oh, I'll try it. YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking YouTube yeah. University, bro. Yeah, hell yeah, man. I, I just buzzed this shit today. Doing the same thing. I was like, yeah, you know, I might shave it up. And uh, I might, might be wearing a mask here pretty soon anyway. <laughs> Fuck, dude. So how you guys holding up down there? Good, good. Um, Business-wise, it's been really good for us. Um, we're a little bit out in the sticks, so a lot of the country guys, the farmers, the ranchers, those guys, they don't have any reason to stop for any of this shit, so they're still going. And then uh, there's been more people at home with more time to do projects that have been sitting in the garage forever so they're getting them out and working on them more people have been riding we've sold more tubes and tires and batteries and shit like that lately so a couple weeks ago we let go three people um company-wide they let go a bunch but uh they uh were expecting you know but the first week was pretty slow is dead. Everybody's like figuring out what they're going to do. And then after that, it was just like, dude, they all came out. We've been busy. So business wise, it's been good for us. We'll see how the ripple effects feel in a couple of weeks. If it still continues like this or whatever, but yeah, it's, it's good. So let me ask you, what we'll do is we'll get all the fucking podcasts, like motorcycle industry talk out of the way. Then we'll get back to bullshit. So, uh, Dude, let me ask you this. How did, like, how did you get into the industry post-Marine Corps? Because, see, the thing is, me and you, like, that was, like, the weirdest thing. Because, like, you were always in the bikes and shit. And you remember how we were out in Okinawa, Randy. Everybody was dirt biking it. That was when I got into bikes again. Because I was always country boy and little dirt bikes, you know, around the fields and shit. You know how it is. Just goofing off. <laughs> but never serious until I got out there. And then it was, like, you got out. And we I know we lost touch for a couple years. So, life happened. You know what I mean? Life happens and you just get on the grind and do shit. And then next thing you know, dude, like, I think it wasn't until I got out here I found out you were in the industry. I was like, damn, dude, that's fucking tight. So how did you get into it? See, I got out in 2008 and uh, fucked around for a little bit. Um, 2009, went to school. Uh, I didn't do the whole MMI thing um, or any of those biotech or Waste of money. Yeah, wanted to, but uh, at the time, my, my now wife, me and her were living together, so I didn't want to like pack up and move across the country again 
it was kind of like, yeah, you know, like, let's just chill for a little bit. So uh, went to a little local school here, <clears throat> waste of money. Yeah. Uh, came out of it knowing no more than what I went into it. It was the school ended up getting shut down for fraud. Uh, like it was, it was bad. Like they were doing all kinds of shit, HVAC and dental assistant and automotive and, and whatever. It was a cash crop school, just like total cash crop school. Yeah, so getting them grants, that's what it was getting that grant money. It, yeah, man. Like there were straight poaching people straight out of jail and fucking wherever they could get on bus stops, like shit like that, homeless shelters, whatever. Like they were, it was pretty ruthless, man. Like one of the guys in my class, no shit. Uh, he was slow, man. And I would, I wouldn't have trusted him to push a bike up on a lift and tie it down, much less like give him some type of, certificate saying yeah man like you can totally work on this no and do they just like they passed everyone because if you didn't pass they didn't get paid and you know blah 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 like whatever so lesson learned those schools don't they're they're crap they're they're crap um so anyway i digress uh (laughs) so uh yeah. While I was going to school, I uh, worked at a little golf cart shop or whatever just while I was going to school and then got into a Kawasaki shop uh, not too far away from the town we were living in. And so started, you know, as a, a porter, builder, um, driver, fucking every, you know, like you're, you're the low guy on the totem pole. You're going to do all the, the grunt work. So started at the very, very bottom, um, worked my way up to fast loop B tech, you know, very short lived, um, worked the counter, did part service, uh, did all that, uh, came up and stayed at that shop for a year and a half, I think maybe. Um, and then, like my, I found my niche was service writing and eventually service manager, <clears throat> uh, bounced around a couple of different shops. Uh, finally I had enough of the, the, Oh, um, the brands or whatever. Wanted to go to an independent shop, just bike shop, custom shop, did that for, for a little bit. Um, got away from the whole dealership life. Uh, and then that was really cool. Really, like, we did a bunch of fun shit, worked on a bunch of cool bikes, did a bunch of custom shit from, you know, old, old Honda CBs to old um, Harleys, uh, like, 60s. Um, I don't think we ever saw anything 50s, but, like, 60s and above, like, we saw kind of a little bit of everything. Um, did that for a while. And then that blew up uh, in a spectacular fashion um, and stayed at home for a little bit, chilled with uh, the kids. Um, It was right about the time the second kid was born. So did the stay at home dad thing and then didn't like that. Um, So went back to dealerships where I am now uh, 10, 11 years later, something like that. Uh, And, uh, was the service manager. Now I'm just kind of like, I, I don't want the manager title. So step back and <clears throat> just service rider, but I still run pretty much service department and the manager does parts and service and just kind of bounces around, but I run all the service shit. So it's probably one of those atmospheres where it's like, it's the overseeing of the service, like the administrative portion of it kind of, we're and mainly focusing on the part side and just letting you run free with scheduling and doing everything else. It's yeah, that, that, yeah. Hey, you know what's funny, man? Like I used to think when I first got into the industry that everything had to be like A, B, and C, but it's like different people in different shops or fucking have different dynamics, bro. To where it's like, if you go in there and try to do A, B, and C, it doesn't fucking work. <laughs> and it's like, and I'm telling you right now, I completely a hundred percent agree with you as far as titles. Cause dude, look, I was director and I was still doing more work than some service managers at dealerships that I know. So a title could mean fuck off. 
it could be fuck all. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I felt more empowered as a service manager than I did as a, as a service director overseeing four dealerships, dude. It was because it was how much I was able to get done and my effectiveness. It wasn't the title. It was like, okay, can I do my job effectively and not be stressful? And it's like, goes pretty smooth. Like, all right, dude, that's where I want to be at. Where I used to think it, all the title was where it had to be. It's like, nah, dude, fuck, dude, fuck the title. It's whatever gives yeah. you fucking less headaches. Fuck, yeah. Dude. Oh yeah. Um, maybe if I have a family and everything, but man, it dude, like or you, you have to have do life. so much time. Dude, that that's what it takes. You you can't have a life, bro. When you do that, no. Shit. No, <laughs> not a no successful way. one. No, it drove my wife crazy. Like, I mean, business wise, you know, like we were doing great, but like the home life, it would wreck it. Um, this way, dude, I, it's split, you know, 50 50. I can kind of just leave work at work now for the most part, come home, chill, hang out, forget about it. You know, it's nice. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I understand there's still one of those things where it's like when it's your reputation on the line, it's like, all right, I'm going to take care of business, you know, do some shit off hours. But if the lesson's like, it's like, nah, man, that shit can wait till tomorrow. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah. Dude, trust me, man, it was funny because, like, one of my techs for the longest time, my, my master tech that worked for me when I first got to the group, he thought that I liked to be on the phone. He was like, oh, bro, like, he kind of called me, like, all the dude to see you on the phone. And I was like, yo, bro. You know what that shit was about? <laughs> it was like, what? <laughs> I, dude, I literally, I had one time, I had two managers, GM of the dealership up north, call me, two managers, because the old dude was fucking staging a sit-in in the middle of the fucking showroom because they decided to take his office from him. So he set up a fucking folding table and a fucking desktop and everything, dude, in the middle of the fucking showroom floor. <laughs> And they called me like I'm the service director. I'm not your fucking boss, GM. He's like, what should we do, Tito? And I'm like, bro, fucking tell him he can't do that shit. <laughs> That's the stuff you get dragged into when you're on that level, and especially if you're reliable and you can get your job done. It's like, what, dude? So trust me, I completely understand. Completely understand. It's like, dude, leave that shit at work. You can't. You can't, dude. It's impossible. But, yeah. Being in the spot that you're at, it's like a sweet spot, bro. Just a fucking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And now it's uh, instead of dealing with heat cases all day, now I'm the guy that passes the heat cases off um, to the manager when it gets to that point where it's like, well, okay, well, you know, <laughs> like if you're going to yell and scream and cuss at me and everything, you can go talk to my manager who's going to very politely and tactfully tell you to fuck off. Like, so. It's nice to be the guy. Like, I don't have to be the bad guy anymore. Dude, yeah. It's it's nice not to have to be. Because trust me, it's it's a fine line, man. Like, the last place I was at, dude, it was a cross between people legitimately hated us so much that they were going two states over sometimes to get service stuff. <laughs> like, to, like, the people there are pretty reasonable, and they were understanding, and we gained their service back, to. The people that are like, you ruined my life. I fucking hate you. And I'm like, dude, I just met you, bro. Like, <laughs> how did I ruin your fucking life? And I don't yeah. hate you, bro. I, I miss being at the desk sometimes because it's just that simple. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> let me ask you this. I mean, for you guys, are you guys doing appointment only for customers dropping off? You guys doing pickups? How are you guys working around <laughs> the self-distancing shit? It's so... Yeah, everything is appointment only. Um, you know, we'll have people that walk in. Um, you know, all of our doors are locked except for the side service door. Uh, people will walk in and be like, hey, well, you know, like, you know, we're, what are you here for? Um, you know, if, and if they're like, oh, I'm here to see so-and-so, it's like, cool. But if they're here, like, oh, I was, you know, going to go look around. Well, it's like, all right, well... You know, by appointment only, if there's a salesman open, you know, he's it's cool. He can walk you around. But if not, you know, like you got to come back, you know, sorry, like we can't wipe down. We can't follow you around the dealership, wiping everything down. Um, there's signs posted everywhere. Please don't sit on and, and everything. Um, we're cleaning our workstations all the time. Uh, and that, you know, our county's not that bad because we're still allowed to have face-to-face -face contact and 
Um, like from what I understand, face masks aren't mandatory. You see some people wearing them. Uh, <clears throat> the county next to us, though, Denton County, uh, there's no face-to-face -face contact. So they're having people drop off in the parking lot and leave, and then they go out there and get the unit and bring it in, um, and they do everything over the phone. Wow. Yeah, it's it's nuts. So you know what's uh, the, the crazy part about that is because uh, you know the local dealership, some of them for a while, uh, the governor hadn't locked it down all the way yet, so they were still doing by appointment into the showroom, and of course services by appointment and doing pickups, a lot of courtesy pickups and shit, a lot of sprinter vans on the road picking up bikes, just to put it that way, dude. And uh, you know now it's to the point where the only thing that's open is service like parts and service and really they, they had to cut back a lot even there because you know you can't have two parts you don't need two parts guys <laughs> you just need one guy <laughs> yeah you know what i mean and i know all the techs are working because they're flat rate anyway so you know they don't cost anything unless they're make it work happen make it the register yeah. so yeah uh that's that's something i'm very interested to see man because when you got these companies like you know uh rumble on that are popping up you know, what's this going to look like on the other side of this? You know, because those guys are starting to take over. I mean, shit, they just built a facility here in Vegas, you know, as a as a hub for them. What does that look like now? You know, the traditional used motorcycle side. The manufacturers are still going to be there. Like, dealerships aren't going nowhere. But how does it change? Let me ask you, how do you see it changing for you guys when all this <clears throat> does relax? And, of course, you know there's going to be some kind of regulation of some kind of unfortunate but there is there's gonna have to be outside of this or at least that's what the people that we we uh we pay their paychecks thank you so uh what do you see it being especially where you're at because it's not gonna be the same for everybody like no not <clears throat> somebody in new york or new jersey everything is going to be online um and then everything is going to be pickup and delivery uh <clears throat> at least for a while uh, until I don't know what the new norm is going to be. That's pretty hard to tell, you know, that that's going to fluctuate a little bit, but, um, uh, you might call in to make an appointment still like we're pretty podunk out in the country. Not a lot of them dudes still get on a computer and the internet's still very new to them. It's like, come on, man. But, you know, other than that, it's all going to be online and, and, uh, uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for. It's all going to be automated pretty much. Um, you know, one of the things I saw, I saw a dealership there in Texas. It was a Lone Star Yamaha. They're offering, uh, I got a friend that works over there. And uh, they're offering, you order the parts from the, from the dealership and they'll deliver them. Like yeah. anything over $100. And especially if you're within a certain vicinity, they'll just drive them over and deliver them straight to you. So it's almost like their own version of Amazon. I, I see that going to another level. You're still going to need the OEM, but you know what I'm, I'm seeing more than anything else is service and parts are going to start shining more as the backbone over the sales dynamic because sales dynamic was always, we're the reason why they come in the doors. Yeah. But it's like, no, -uh, motherfucker, not anymore. <laughs> like, no, you're not. You can't yeah. have face contact, bitch. Like, <laughs> yeah, it used to be, you know, we would send people to sales, you know, pretty often um, or, you know, do trade evals or like try to push them to sales, you know, and it was, it was pretty common for people to be like, ah, what, I'm not even going to mess with it or that's too much. Um, now you can already tell and feel everyone is fix it, fix it, fix it. Um, no one's investing in a new one now. No one, no one's spending the big bucks. So that's what we're going to see for a while is fix it, fix it, fix it. Um, and that that's another thing we've seen is all these old projects that have been sitting in people's garages. They're getting them out and they got the time to work on them now. So they're coming in and ordering parts and, you know, it's see, projects. That was, that was something two weeks ago I was thinking about. But I was like, I just didn't know because, you know, like you said, you just never know what people's positions are, how this thing is going to affect them, you know, blah, blah, blah. But one of the other things I see other than people pulling out projects, just like you were saying, is the fact that how does that change now? And we haven't seen the effects of this yet. We're not going to know how many people are now working from home where the reality is going to be 
I can ride more because I'm not yeah. working as much. And of course, you know as well as I do, you put more miles on bike, it needs more service and parts. So it's like, I don't think we've accounted for that person too, which is going to be a lot of people that are just like, yo, bro, I work from home and I can just do whatever the fuck I want. Like, I go for a ride, whatever I want, you know? Yeah, yep. I see it being good for our industry um, in, in the long term of things. It's going to be growth for us. Uh, just like you said, all you know, a lot more people are going to be working from home. They got all this extra time and they're going to go ride. Um, dude, we've sold more youth, uh, little four wheelers and little dirt bikes within the past week or dude, it's been like Christmas people buying them for their kids. Like, man, get like, I'm sick of these kids, get them out of the house. You know, they got to go do something. <laughs> so they're buying them four wheelers and, and shit to keep them busy, keep them occupied and coming in, buying helmets and gear. It's yeah, man. That, I mean, that's, that's cool, man, because it's, I mean, really, truthfully, it is one of the safest ways to get, like, because, look, do you go running, you run into other people running. You go do that, like, you're on a bike, you got a helmet, you got gloves on, you're away from them anyways, you're just fucking riding. It actually, like, I don't, I don't want to be corny and cliche because it's like, there's no better self-distancing, but it's like, actually, really, it ain't. <laughs> Dude, you cough, you cough at a helmet, do it 60, I mean, like, you're coughing at a helmet, like, it's like everybody's doing the same speed, bro, like, Versus on walking next to somebody. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, uh, listening to your last podcast, uh, talking about how, man, that last time I went riding, I was so sketched out the whole time because I was just like, man, you know, like the hospitals around here aren't too bad, but Dallas is bad. Um, we're west of Fort Worth. Fort Worth isn't too bad. I forget what they're at or whatever, but um, it was like, yeah, I'm definitely not going to push it or anything like that. I'm definitely going to be a little bit more careful, but man, there were so many people out riding that day. Um, and even just, there was a ton of country and you see all the little kids out there riding too, playing on their, their toys. That's great. Yeah, man. You know, it was one of the things that I saw a bunch of people out here, you know, they were riding and like, I don't know, I feel better about like, if I just ride around the hood, ride around like just the direct area, rather than it's like, all right, I'm gonna go hard in the paint. I'm going to like, you know, Mount Charleston, or I'm going to go hit up Red Rock <laughs> and go get it. Because I'm like, well, it's not that I don't trust myself. It's like, I just don't trust people. <laughs> and it's like, if something happens, because dude, one of the things is they've been noticing, especially like LA and shit. They're writing a lot more speeding tickets because it's like the Autobahn, bro. There ain't nobody fucking out there. <laughs> Dude, even on Flamingo, I'm not going to lie, bro. I'm sitting here on Flamingo right down the street from the Strip. I was doing 70 the other day, and I was like, wait a minute, dude. I got to slow down, dude. <laughs> this, is a, this, is a, this is not a 70. I'm not going to incriminate myself, but still, it's like, this isn't a 70. I need to slow my ass down. And then saw somebody do, they did this crazy four lanes. Like, oh, there's no one out here. And I'm like, wait a minute, dog. I'm right here cut across and it's like well if you're on a bike oh fuck dude so <laughs> it's like i said it's dependent around the hood i've been test riding a couple bikes here and there and just riding my shit just around the block just to keep it running and keep the tires good and not only that just to get the fuck out the house but like going on the hard ride where it's like all right bro let's get geared up i'm getting it like eh, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna chill on that for a minute just a minute yeah yeah um I was joking around with my buddy because we're not too far away from the Oklahoma border. Uh, we were talking about going for a ride up there. I was like, man, with our luck, we'd probably get stuck in Oklahoma um, if they shut everything down or some shit. Like, I ain't trying to go camping for, you know, weeks trying to get back in or sneak across the fucking Red River to get back home or some shit. I'm like, no, thanks. <laughs> get, caught, get caught border hopping you can't, fuck that I didn't sign up for this shit bro I didn't sign up for hopping these borders I was just trying to go for a ride fuck that dog you know I, adventure riding's where it's at but uh, that's you know that, that could be the new extreme adventure riding right there <laughs> dude that's true man back in the day look dude I remember many a time we used to run from the sheriff through the fucking old uh, farm fields. They can't chase you in the fields on the dirt bike, bro. Like, how are you going to get that Crown Vic over the fucking ditch? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, adventure ride's not too far off, dude. They, they cross state lines like that, for sure. Yeah. Speaking of uh, adventure riding, um, 
you know, all this shit's going to push the tannery back again. Just like, man, I'm sitting here fucking waiting, waiting. I was supposed oh. to be able to order it this month, but I think that even got pushed back. Ah, right, it's worth it's worth the wait. I wouldn't do anything with it right now, anyways. It's worth the wait. It is because, dude, I'm telling you right now, that tannery sells itself. It's it's just an awesome. I'm a Yamaha fan through and through, anyway. So, oh look what it is. Oh, what up, homie? What? How are you? I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Living that yeah. long life, right? Yeah, putting the kid to sleep. It's been years. Yeah, yeah, years. Wow. You were the cause of my last night on Oki. And all the vomiting. You want this to be on the podcast? Go ahead. I <laughs> Oh, shit. You're on the podcast. Oh. This was recording it for the podcast, yes. <laughs> I'm glad, look, I don't give a fuck. I'll tell the story. <laughs> You're the one who's going to have to live that shame with my 40 listeners. 45, I think it is, or something. You know, because that one listener I got over in England or in uh, Senegal or Guam, they're going to want to hear this one. They're, you're gonna run into him at the Smiths. You're like, you are Deb. You're the one who threw up on yourself, huh? Worldwide. Prestige worldwide. <laughs> so yeah. on that note. No, well look, we're about to finish up anyways. It was, it was like a bit we'll finish up the business part of it and then we'll get back to it. <laughs> well, Dude, that Tanneray, I'm, I'm telling you right now, it sells itself. It's a fucking awesome machine because after doing some of the adventure riding, I used to think that, like, oh, man, a GS, yeah, that's it. The big 1200, that's what you need. It's like, dude, fuck that. After seeing some of that fuck, some of those trails in Colorado, just some of the other ones, it's like, dude, no, fuck that, dude. Let, let, me, get, like, let me get a 700, man. Let me get 800. Let me, let me, let me. Let me. Yeah. That's not going to kick your fucking ass, man. And don't be so wrong. You can swing around and once you get maybe not handle, yeah. Once you get the skill level up, it's different. But I'm not on that level, dude. Where I can just throw, dude. Don't get me wrong. I saw some guys out there, dude, just sitting and just power right through with the GS. I'm like, God damn, dude, you're not even gonna stand up. Like, nope, just fucking gutting it down. I I ain't there. Nope, not that <laughs> not that cool, bro. I'm standing up on my pigs. Yeah, right, right. I think that T7 is going to be a good transition bike, though, into those big bikes um, and get that confidence level to where you can, you know, you're not afraid to get on them, whip them around or do that and just go send it through a river or something. Uh, that's what I'm looking forward to is just getting on that thing and, and ripping it. Dude, look, I definitely that's definitely my next one. I, I love that little Hemi that I have, bro. That shit was so it was just a fun fucking bike, bro. Like. If you had that thing on the farm just to putt around on to go check the mail and fucking dick around and hit some jumps, that was my problem. It wasn't that it was too much power. It was like it was too much fun. I started doing stupid shit. Hopping <laughs> sidewalks. Oh, there's an empty dirt lot in the middle of fucking Sahara Boulevard Avenue. I'm just going to go hit it up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Time to go do some donuts. <laughs> yeah, dude. It, that, that was my problem. I got in trouble a couple of times because of that because it was like. It, it wasn't like I was doing a 12 o'clock wheelie, doing 80. They were just like, really, dude? You're, you're just going to just tear up the dirt lot, huh? Right in front of us. Like, oh, my bad. <laughs> it was just a little donkey, bro. It was a little thumper. That's what I loved about it. But I was like, I was thinking about getting another one if they did a parallel twin version. And I'm like, nah, I'll just fucking get the Tanner. Get the T. Yeah. Man, that seems to be where everyone's going is the that parallel twin seems to kind of be where it's at. Um I don't know. Ducati's got that that V four. That thing's something else. But all the other parallels, the MT09, MT10. Um, man, those things are just beast. Yeah, man, they're monsters, dude. It's it used to be inline four or nothing. I mean, even a Husky. What Husky just came out, dropped their parallel. They got a bigger, bigger displacement parallel to one now or some shit. I think. Uh. Because, I mean, Husky's infamous for their single-cylinder thumpers, but it's like, dude, fuck, now I think they're going parallel twin on their newer models. 
that 701 man i don't know if you've ever ridden one of those that's a blast of a bike right there that's a huge ass thumper <clears throat> talk about a torque monster man that i haven't ridden a supermoto i just got to ride the enduro um i'd be a little afraid to get my hands on one of those supermotos i'd go do some hoog and shit like that it's just too easy See, dude, it is. Is the thing is, it's like it, on my street triple. I gotta find a spot. Like, I don't have to, but I'm gonna find a safer place to be at, <laughs> so I can dip out if I have to. <laughs> but it's like on those things, dude. You, it, the problem is you get careless because you're just like, man, this thing's no threat. Burr, burr. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't realize you're just as dangerous, bro. Because you can just hop sidewalks, do whatever the fuck you need to do to get out of the way. Yep. Yep. That's what's going to convert a lot of people too. I think for that T7, um, I'm I'm getting one. Uh, my good buddy who's on a DRZ 400 SM right now, he's probably going to trade his in, get one. My buddy is on a cruiser. Um, I'm sure he's going to trade. We're I got him sold. I know I got him sold, but he's going to get one. <laughs> well, dude, I love seeing because like I hate it the stigmatism of being in those tribes as a rider, like, oh, that's all you do. Like, dude, I ride everything, dude. I fucking love all this shit. Like, the only thing I don't, like, geek out on too much is scooters, And but if I'm on vacation in Bahamas drinking daiquiris, then I'm probably going to geek out on a scooter, bro. <laughs> as long as it's two wheels, it's like, let's go, man. I, I don't know. I think some people are selling their motorcycle. I hope you can you know. see this little Tau uh, Tau 50 I got in my garage right now. That's my new little... Uh... <laughs> project i got from my dad i'm gonna make a little gangster scooter out of that thing or something <laughs> hell yeah bro see that's it's different when you start doing hooligan shit on scooters so <laughs> it's funny because i wanted to go do some like photo shit for the website down on the strip because dude it's like no one down there it's super spooky no one down there it's fucking creepy so i was like man this be perfect to get some photo ops like when's the next time you're ever going to be able unless you like throw stupid money at something to get it where nobody's gonna ever be on the strip but uh dude the grom gangs they tore it up and had it shut down dude these guys like the first few days of the lockdown like the first week were just ripping it and having mad fun like throwing yeah. grom so they're able to get in through the barricades and shit and i guess they saw some of the videos and saw some of the burnouts and now they got everything on lockdown lockdown they like all the little fucking cut throughs you can get through on a bike they blocked them off and like roped them oh, and, what yeah the yeah, there's like security posted up at the entrances to all the casinos. So it's like, yeah, there's cops all down there parked. So you can't really, like, even if you, I mean, no one's down there, bro. So it's not like you can be like, hey, stall them. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. What are you going to do? Oh, yeah. man. Like they don't even have to wait at a traffic light, bro. They can just run right through and be at you. And you're fucking, you know, they got you. And now I guess they're, I think they can impound bikes and like charge you like a certain fee or some shit. Because now it's criminal. Like, before, it was just like, oh, yeah, you're a public nuisance. Get the fuck out of here. But now it's like because, you know, he enacted some fucking power on the governor or some shit. Now it's like criminal if you go down there. So it's like, ah, fuck. There goes all the fun. Back to the main streets, boys. So are they uh, pulling people over? Like, do you got to have a little certificate or a letter saying you're allowed? Like, how does what I'm Vegas? If you're just if you're just driving down there and you're not, like, pulling into a casino or anything, they don't fuck with you. What are they going to do? They can't do shit. But if, like, you're trying to pull into the casino that is obviously blocked off with barricades, like, yeah, they're going to come at you and be like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? And they don't ask for papers or anything like that. They're just going to be like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> so it's, it's fucking closed. Get the fuck out of here. No, you can't go to Caesars. Get out of here. Like, and, that, and that's pretty much it, man. It's, it's no Gascapo type shit. I mean, what else are you going to do? There's no gambling. There's no bars. <laughs> That's pretty much all of Vegas. I mean, there's other shit to do. But from what I understand, they haven't been harassing people too much. I know, like, out near the park, Red Rock, they've been cracking down because a lot of people have been illegally – because the park is closed. But people have been, like, going through the off-roads to illegally get into there. So they've been cracking down on that or some shit. But besides that, I mean, you can still go do whatever the fuck you got to do. Man. If I'm just in the truck and I'm like going to the Leatherneck or something like somewhere I know, like I'm just going there and home, I won't wear a mask. I'll take my mask with me, but I won't. But if it's like, dude, there's too many booger pickers out there. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> I have to go to the store for something. Or like the other day, I had to go to the bank. 
it's like Najee, like it's gonna be the first time ever a brown man in America can go in a mask and be like, I'm making a withdrawal <laughs> <laughs> and not get shot. Well, I'm here to take one yeah, out. Yeah, don't want to panic. They were so nice to me at everything, bro. I was like, man, this is so weird, so weird. Oh, um, so. so I would I would imagine Vegas is a lot different than than out here. Uh, the cater, at least where I work, is pretty small, pretty podunk. You can't really tell much of a difference um, because everything is almost labeled essential. Um, what is it? Is is everything out there kind of essential, or is so? I mean, once you get any, the closer you get to the strip, the spookier it gets because that's where a lot of the non-essential shit is. Where it's like, well, like a bar is essential. Like, no, it's not. But like the Leatherneck, they're able to stay open because they're offering food, you know, and they're like the only bar that I know that actually has like really good food that people will order. <laughs> I like your, you know, your chain gambling halls. Of course, gambling's not a priority. It's not essential. So like even the gambling areas inside of gas stations and in grocery stores, like the slot poker machines and shit, they have them roped off. So there's no gambling in the state of Nevada right now, which is like. <laughs> what we're fucking known for <laughs> yeah wow that's a shocker huh <laughs> <laughs> it's like i mean no 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 none of that uh yeah yeah i guess that's a good way to uh halt that economy real quick and dude it's it's uh it's there's a lot of people here that are frustrated and i completely 100 percent understand why they're frustrated that they make their money off of that but it's like dude when you consider we had international flights coming in here. And at one point in time, we had like four direct flights from China a day or uh, a week, a week coming in directly into Vegas. So it was like, wait a minute, dude, you got to watch it. You know what I mean? Like oh, just a little bit. Like you got to, you do have to be cautious, especially because it's like everything that there is to do here has to do with like, you want to go to a Cirque show, you got to sit next to fucking 2000 people. You know, you want to go to, you know, gambling? Guess what? You're going to be sitting next to 50 fucking people. You know, you want to go to yeah. the club? Oh, dude, you want to go to the club? Jesus Christ, dude. You're nuts to butt on everybody. It's like fucking yeah. boot camp. <laughs> <laughs> and then who knows the screen for what? Because everybody's all sorts of fucked up because it's Vegas. So it's not like, you know, like, well, let's take your temperature. Like, dude, dude, yeah, of course he's running fever. He just did a fucking rail of coke. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. So it's uh, it's it's going to be a little different. I'm interested to see how it's going to affect the city. I think there are some good things here that they learned from last time. Like you got a lot more, like you got Amazon and Google invested here a little bit deeper, so it helps soften the blow. But it's still, you know, dude, it's a blow. Fuck, man. Like around here, you don't see much of a difference just because you can still you can't sit in restaurants and shit like that. But you still go to a grocery store. I mean, there's a limit how many people can go in. And, yeah, you know, shit everything's like taped off one way aisles and shit like that. They haven't gotten that extreme. There, I mean, I haven't been to the grocery store in like two weeks because we're pretty stocked up. But you know, it's pretty. I mean, I try to. I just try to use common sense, dude. Like, like <laughs> that's it. Like, yeah, I don't try to be at all extra about it. There's some people out there being extra as fuck about this shit, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see how it affects the industry, dude. Look, man, thanks for coming on, and uh, it was always great catching up with you, man. Let me ask you this one more question before we, we, we stop recording. Let me ask, where do you want to see the industry going, like, for, for not only just yourself, but the area you're in or anything like that, where do you see it going or where would you like it to go? Uh, so my side of the industry um, is a little bit different because we're not just motorcycles. So when, you know, like one, the biggest shift or change I see for the off-road side of the industry is side-by-sides. Um, that That's, do dirt bike sales, uh, four wheeler sales, all that is is gone down so much in side by sides, or just taking over the market, um, because you know they have utility, they have sport, and they have ones that do them both. You can, man, they're pretty hard to beat. You know when you think of maintenance and costs and everything like that, people are like, oh, you know, I could buy a Jeep or something like that. It's like, yeah, well, you can't go send a Jeep 
you know, over this dune and live to tell about it. And, you know, so that's where that side of the market's going is, is side by sides. Those things are out of control. Um, you know, 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, something like that, you would have had to pay anywhere from 50 to 75 to a hundred thousand dollars to get a rig that was capable as one of these, that's just rolling off the, the manufacturer now that you can go pick up for 30 G and go race it and jump it in the dunes or, you know, whatever it, that side of it is, is crazy. Um, the other side, the, the motorcycle side, the two wheel side, um, man, dude, we could talk about that for hours where that's going. <laughs> that's, uh, um, the adventure market's going up, you know, so that obviously that market's growing, um, the midsize adventure market's growing. Um, so that I see a lot of new riders getting into it because of that, that grew up riding dirt bikes and, and off-road and they want something that they can ride to work or school or whatever on. And it's going to end up being these, whatever, what used to be dual sport, you know, we're now have that new title, that new catchy title adventure bike, you know? So, uh, I see that's, you know, coming, uh, sport bikes and everything, man, the, uh, naked bike street fighters you said it you know that it's the year of the street fighter um dude that's where all the new technology all the that's where everyone's focus seems to be is on that market right there um dude i've ridden a uh there's an mt07 now i don't know why we still have it at work why we haven't sold it i keep riding at home uh that thing is a freaking blast dude those things are so much fun um, so that's where that market's going. I think Harley is, is uh, <laughs> all I don't know what to say about Harley and their room that the adventure bike, the Pan America, man, that they're playing that whole thing wrong. They're getting into it, which is good, but I, they're doing it all wrong. Um, they're trying to throw it in there. Like it's one of these BMWs or, uh, KTMs that's established and, you know, they have all the backing to throw these big price tags on there. I don't know if you've heard the, what have you heard about the Pan America going to cost when it comes out? Cause I've heard like 19 in that, like I've heard 19 in that. <sighs> See, th this is the problem when it comes to that, man, they're going to fucking sell it. Just like the fucking, the, 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 whatchamacallit, the challengers like, Oh, 22, 23. But the ones you're seeing at the dealerships are 26, 27. You know, it's like, I think it's the same shit. Yeah, you can get a base model for 19, but the dealer's going to get the one that's 26 or 27. Now, to me, the biggest thing with Harley is whenever they roll something out, it's it's never like the engineering that's a huge problem. It's always like the quality control. Or shall I say, I'm probably wrong on that. Like, maybe like some of the cam chest failures and shit they had, like the M8. That was a design flaw. I don't know how much of it was a design flaw or a parts failure. The reason why those things were failing oil pressure tests. But it's like, come on, dude. That's the shit that bites them in the foot. It's never like they try to go in this big, bold fucking thing and they that they ended up eating shit on their face. Because then it's like, okay, well, I can understand. But it's like, hold on, dude. You guys fucking fucked up for two years in a row. Hydraulic clutch. Something that's been in the market for a de well over a decade. <laughs> well over two decades. Hydraulic clutch, you fucked it up. Really, dude? Come on. So we'll see. If they can roll the Pan America out with very minimal problems and be able to address them, take the egg on their face, and move on, they'll be okay. I just don't think they're capable of that because uh, the new acting CEO, I call him Puma Boy because he was the old CEO of Puma. I kind of got the direction that he's going in when he doubled down and said that uh, Matt Levitage is fucking uh, – direction whatever the the fucking whatever they call the road to success or whatever fuck harley named it yeah yeah said it said it was success and it was working and i was like and that's why you're the temporary guy because you're the yes guy you know the fucking next guy that comes in there that's going to make it for harley is going to be the guy that's willing to get the egg on the face to get to greatness and it's going to be willing to suck it up and take some losses because i know i've heard horror stories about warranty issues because they didn't like the fact that like fueling or some shit was getting used or it was something weird 
So don't tell me it's just hearsay. But like I heard some people were having problems with their M8s getting warranty and hardly got to the point where they were just like, oh, well, they did this, so you can't warranty it. that's pretty that's pretty notorious for Harley I've heard a lot of horror stories about like oh they wouldn't cover it because I just put pipes on it um or something like that and man in my experience too that that's that's entirely I can't 100% blame Harley for that because that could be the dealer because look bro we all know we got rules to live by but sometimes there's this rule called I'm trying to take care of the customer so they come back and spend money with me and I can take care of them continuously. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like some of them just don't want to fight and do the work. But I always tell the customer, like, I'm an advocate for you in this whole process. Like the worst they can tell me is no. Um, dude, I've gotten a bunch of crazy shit covered under warranty. And I hear some of these stories and I'm just like, yeah, that just kind of sounds like you're service guy didn't want to even try to get it under you know try to even get it covered or whatever i think some guys think that warranty is just like this freebie but it's like dude sometimes you still warranty is a customer you still got to work for warranty (laughs) sometimes like oh you think it's so easy like it's allegedly free money but guys have this tendency of being like oh it's free money i don't have to i shouldn't have to work hard for it but it's like you want a bigger fucking paycheck yeah bitch like I don't know how anybody's paid, but most people I know are paid off of performance. You know, so it's like, dude, it's making the registry. Now, I think one of the things with warranty is a secret for me is I always look at it as this, or I've had to train my brain to look at it as it is I'm looking at a situation that is A and C. It is my job being where I'm at to make it A, B, and C. So it makes sense. So that way the customer and the warranty guy all feel great and feel like they won everybody's happy because that's who you literally you're fighting the customer and the warranty guy the warranty guy don't want to be wrong because he don't want it to come out his ass in about a year when they look at it (laughs) (laughs) and the customer don't want to pay for it because he felt like i paid twenty thousand dollars for a fucking bike i shouldn't have to pay for shit yeah (laughs) man i don't know how many times i've had the manufacturers say you know well if they cover parts we'll cover labor or vice versa and then that makes them both happy. And they're like, oh, well, you know, the customer feels like they might have gotten one over. And, you know, the manufacturer's like, well, we know you're getting, you think you got one over, but we're just kind of doing some goodwill to help you out, you know, to, to keep your business type thing. So, yeah, as long, as long as both parties feel like they win, I still get paid. Man, you know, that's, that's a win-win. My tech getting paid, I get paid. Let's go home. Yeah. Dude, some yep. people carry that shit way too hard, but I don't know. That's that's a whole another conversation, bro. Well, look, man, thanks for coming on. It's great to have you on the podcast. It was actually on my goal list. You were one of my people that I wanted to interview for the podcast, bro. Straight up, seriously. So, thanks Talking for coming on. Oh yeah, I, I have to have you on again soon, bro. Hell yeah, man. Take it easy. Hey guys, I'm back. Uh, Hope you enjoyed the uh, little, the 40, little, little, it was 47 minute interview. We did pretty good there. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Just to let you guys know too, in the next episode, I got an interview number dose. We got an interview number two with Justin coming up. And it's funny because it's about a week later or about a week and a half or two weeks later. So start hearing how things have changed, how traffic's coming in. There's a little bit more, more information that comes out, the more you can adapt your game plan, operate procedures and such. So hope you guys enjoy that. More of that to come. All right. Um, normally I get into this big format of uh, tips for the Joes, tips for the pros, such and like yada, yada, yada. But I don't know. It, the overwhelming pressure to keep the structure of the podcast, I was putting more pressure on myself with it. So I'm just trying something different. You guys tell me if it sucks. If it sucks, it's fine. If it's great, then cool. And look, I'm going to keep learning and keep moving forward. That's what this shit's all about. So I'm just going to rattle off some shit that, you know, maybe tips for the pros. Tip. This is more a tip for the pros or the Joes. No, actually, this is more a tip for the Joes, okay? I'm thinking as a consumer, looking at the things that are happening right now around us, okay? Uh, not, not to get into conspiracy theories yet again. I'm just looking at this from the numerical part of this. We have 30 million Americans currently out of work, okay? Uh, unemployed. 
and keep in mind, that number does not count people that have left the workforce permanently. So these are only people that are currently collecting unemployment. Once they stop collecting unemployment and they're no longer actively searching for work, they do not get counted. So that number could be bigger, could be small. Okay, I'm not here to get into the grits and gravy of it. I'm just letting you guys know what the reality of that number is. Okay, now there's 18 million people as of 2019. So this is 2019 hard number. There's 18 million registered motorcycle owners in America. Okay, so let's look at these numbers here. Now, motorcycles have a tendency of being more of a luxury item. You're looking at it. One of the things you're looking at statistically when you go to like you know power sports dealers and all these guys, they're they're throwing numbers out there. Like I just watched one of the YouTube videos from uh, the business development from MPA auction. He was giving the numbers and statistically they're looking at uh, power sports numbers have been up, but they're looking at what. But they haven't really that to me that number is skewed because they haven't dissected the demographics. What portion of the power sports industry because. Kind of how like Polaris does their sales. Oh, it's everything. That's kind of how they're calculating this. And granted, absolutely, you should be always try to be optimistic, especially when the chips are down. We're getting back, you know, power source shops are opening up. Dealerships are opening back up again. The ones that did close or had to close out of necessity. So how does this affect us going forward? Well, personally, guys, I think this is going to be the year of the auction <laughs> of MPA auctions, like dealers going to auctions a little bit more. Uh, and then also a year of Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace. I think Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace is going to explode in the third and fourth quarter this year. And also, I mean, look, the fact of the matter is manufacturers are going to be offering incentives. So I'm not saying, it, oh, there's going to be no new motorcycle. But I'm just saying I would see a boost probably in Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace just because of this. You're looking at people who are going to be out of work. I have already heard here in Vegas where one guy, he has like 10 motorcycles and because he needs a little bit of cash flow, a little bit of capital right now, he sold a couple of them off. That's what I'm talking about. That's the stuff you're going to see, you know. And also, I mean, unfortunately, out of desperation, people they're going to have to if they're put in those positions. So, not here to judge, but I'm here to look at the situation, boots on the ground, give you guys numbers on what's going on. Like I, I know plenty of shops right now. Service departments are doing really good because guess what? People are. I'm going to. You're seeing project bikes. I've been hearing a lot of that. Like you probably heard in an interview with you know my boy Justin, people are pulling project bikes out. They got a lot more time. And one of the things like we, me and him talked about, how many people are now like quality of life? Like, well, if I can afford to work from home and my job allows me to work from home, what does that look like? More time to ride. So uh, that's one of the things you're looking at. I think this year is going to be a big Craigslist, Facebook marketplace, big offer up, let it go. You're going to see a lot more consumer-to-consumer transaction, okay? A lot more. Not saying I – because truthfully, I don't have enough data at every dealership to be like, yeah, these specific sales are going to go down. One of the things I can speak on is parts accessory sales, parts and, uh, parts and gear. I think that a lot of dealerships are going to have to start looking at that. What does that look like? Because if it's already a deficit and a drain on your dealership – what do you think is going to happen now that more people are going to be losing their jobs or maybe not be able to come back off a of furlough nearly as much? And, you know, prices, their prices stay the same, but you go online and you can find better pricing. So I don't know what that looks like. I'll get into that one a little bit deeper on the next one, especially for the pros. Okay. So another chip tip for the, for the average Joes out there. Buy your tires online, guys. There's some good prices on online tires. Look, the riding season is starting. If you can't, like I said, I always tell you guys, try to go to the dealership and see if they will be offering price match. You never know because dealers are going to be offering a lot of deals now. So take advantage of those deals. Call your dealership and dealers. Hey, tips for pros. Pick up your fucking phone, bro. Oh, my God. You dealerships, I swear to God, for guys that complain, broke, but I swear to God, usually when you go into dealerships, they're the first fucking people in the room to be like, oh, when they hear the phone ring. Uh. Dude, I always train my guys and talk to my guys, my team. The phone ringing is a fucking cash register going off. Guess what? Yeah, of course you're going to get stuck every now and then with the occasional bullshit call, whatever. That's playing the game, baby. I don't know what else to tell you. That's, you got to play to win. <laughs> so guess what? If you don't pick up the phone, somebody else is. 
and granted, they may call around. I've heard dude, I've heard horror stories that get the same guy call for the same thing all around town because I got a call from a dealership warning me. I still took the call because I was going to try to sell himself. It was going to be an idiot. <laughs> so pick up your phone, shops. Pick up your phones. Stick to your go-tos. Uh, you know, if you got a good product that you're working with, a good company, especially if it's an American-based company, and they got good pricing, your business allows you to. Because keep, keep it real, everybody. Not everything's made in America. And also the bottom line is some, some dealerships in business, American-owned businesses, have to look at what their cost analysis is. So don't beat them up too much until you understand how the game is played, margins and shit on the other side. Trust me, I know a little bit more about that. And I used to do a lot more bitching back in the day than I do now, now that I know things. I'm not ignorant to it. So uh, I want to give a shout out to my one of my go-tos, Blood Lubricant. I think their chain lube is awesome. I fell in love with their chain lube. It's so easy. Thanks, Bobby Lou. Bobby Lou over there, Motor Rev Suspension. If you need suspension needs, go check him out. I got his link on, uh, I'll de- definitely make sure to add his link on to Facebook, the Facebook page for the podcast. But Blood Lubricant Chain Lube, shit is awesome. Shit's money. Chain comes out so clean so fast. And it smells good too. And it's not all fucking greasy and shit. Just gotta make sure to clean, you know, clean up any overspray and stuff. That's pretty much it. So, uh, like I said, I'm gonna get in the shout out time right now. So, blood lubricants, get some lubricants as well. Great, great, great. I use that on my firearms, garage door, everything, and actually really good stuff. Both things you can go check out on the website, ironpowersports.com. I got, well, I got a link for the blood lubricant. I'm working on a link right now for uh, for our get some product line. I got some samples on the way. See, I'm working on projects, guys. Working on projects. Look, everybody, I want to tell you this. Be safe out there. Don't be stupid, okay? Use some common sense. Wash your hands. Don't fucking pick your nose and put your fingers in your mouth. Use some fucking common sense, okay? Most of all, be safe. Be positive, okay? And keep on that grind, everybody. Look, I I hate to be cliche and say we're all going through this together, but we have to keep that mentality of, like, look, we're all in the same boat together. Got to keep that positive mental attitude and keep keep grinding it out. Okay, keep grinding it out. Guys in the dealerships, keep grinding. Keep showing up to work, doing your thing, and keep hustling. There's going to be warranty work. Things are going to pick up. There's a lot more project bikes out there. Not only that, be dynamic. You know, use use the digital platform that we have to promote yourself, promote your dealerships, get the word out there, and uh, consumers support your local shops. You know, if you hate their guts, and I understand, but if, uh, if you got a local shop in town, even something, even a little something that you've been putting off, even if it's just, look, I've been wanting to put these lights on and I have no clue how to put them on. Take your work to the shops. Those guys could use it right now. So um, as always, thank you for listening, guys. I'm always humbled uh, for anybody out there still listening to podcasts. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Please be safe. Practice safe social distancing. Go ride a fucking motorcycle or side by side. One of the two. All right, guys, go check uh, check me out. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, Moto Dad Tito. On Twitter, is Moto Dad Tito 702. Okay. All right, guys, much love and respect. I'll see you when I see you. Peace.